Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Fan Bite Review podcast. This week, we're discussing the highly anticipated, especially by the people on this call in particular, the news Switch exclusive Monster Hunter Rise. I'm Steven Strum, and this is for my fellow hunters! Imran Khan and Merit Kay. Together we'll be deciding if this is yet another masterpiece from the developers at Capcom or just a paucity of fun. How is everybody doing? Wow. Can I, I just say that? Wow. I'm, I'm stunned in the silence, Stephen. I'm in awe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stunned. Yeah, that's stun blight, you know? Like, you uh, need to yeah, get I that. I have stars tools. around my head. Mm-hmm, I'm like... Mm-hmm. I'm furiously, I'm playing a Mario Party minigame, spinning my uh, Joy-Con joystick around, trying to uh, turn a snap out of it, waiting for my cat to run over and hit me with a, a spade. To wake Except me they up. miss every goddamn time now. It's yeah. terrible. Yeah. I like when the dog tries it and then misses and just doesn't try again. Like, like well, you shouldn't have just one shot. Sorry, you can, you can try again. I honestly, the, swear to God, I feel like they miss more often, at least with me, they miss more often than they hit now. Is yes. that is that okay? That's not unique. Okay, um, yeah, it's Monster Hunter time. We're back. We are, I think, all of us on this call, big Monster Hunter fans, right? I would say so. I I have always had a respect for the series, but I didn't really get into it until like four. But I would, I put like seven hundred hours in the world, so I would probably qualify myself as a fan. Yeah, yeah, and Merritt, I know you played a lot of World as well. I sunk a lot of time into World. Yeah, World was my first Monster Hunter game, unless you count the time that I tried to play one of the 3DS ones on a plane, the demo of it, mm. and was like, what the fuck is this? This is terrible. <laughs> like, I, everything's so slow, and this big rabbit just keeps killing me. I hate it. Um, and I put that down, and then years later, I was like, oh, Monster Hunter World. This sounds interesting. And and my, my good friend Pat Gill made a video about how to get into it and like what it's all about. And then I played through it on the PS4 at release. And then when Iceborne came out on PC, I played through the entire campaign again (laughs) and then put like hundreds of hours into Iceborne. And um, I never fought Fatalis or Alatrion, but Mm. I did basically everything else in that game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's going to be the... Uh, similar kind of trajectory for a lot of players like getting in with world maybe dabbled with the previous games i played uh four as well uh like imran said i started i think with the wii u game which was monster hunter 3 ultimate um mm-hmm. played a little bit of that and i was just like ah this doesn't what i i don't know no 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 and then ended up getting back into it a little bit on 3ds and then finally world like just consumed my life i put thousands of hours into that game it's ridiculous i uh, like merit i also played it on ps4 and then jumped into the pc version uh for those good good load times and and uh, never looked back. But, 60, uh, the, you know, I need those 60 frames. You need all those frames to dodge, frames. you know? Uh, God, can you imagine going back? I don't think we ever fought Raging Bracadios on PS4 at 30 Jesus frames, did Christ. we? Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I hate that guy. Uh, Monster Hunter Rise is a Switch game, so it does not run at 60 frames per second. But I will say the load times are really good. I have not even yeah. noticed that. The fact that it doesn't run at 60. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, God, it's the low times on this game, though, like just I guess before we even just get into it, like the technical achievements that this game represents are pretty impressive to me because they got the Resident Evil engine to run on a switch. Yeah. And then they made a Monster Hunter with it. And like I've had a few frame dips, but like they're very rare. 
And I I know it's because the texture sizes are smaller, um, but the load times in this game are shorter than they were on World on my like high end PC. Um, like get, World had get, absurd load times. Like World, World was, was so long on PS4, it was unbearable, and on PC it was like okay, but it was still like you know you were waiting between hunts and like getting back to the city and like even like going to. I would sometimes like not want to go to the different social areas because it would take like, you know, 15, 20 seconds to load. Mm. Uh, right. I, I was, I was at Capcom once I was playing Iceborne. I was previewing the game with the developers and the second, like we started a mission to go and like the load time started by reflex. I took out my phone and started checking Twitter because that's what I've been doing every time I was at <laughs> oh, home. God. I was like, Oh, this is a very unprofessional. I should not be doing this. Right. Yeah. I mean, especially when you get to Iceborne, I think it, it really came to a head in Iceborne loading the guiding lands, even on PC is, Ooh, is yeah. awful, but it's a nightmare on PS4. Like oh, that in particular. Imagine. Oof, 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 oof. Yeah, but yeah, the Switch version runs great. Looks really good. Uh, it looks better than it did in the demo. I think um, so. I think I we know. all say, yeah, yeah. So this is. I don't know. I don't know if we want to like back up a bit, but like, so yeah. All, I think I think we all played the demo um, mm-hmm. of Rise when it came out, the first one at least. And um, I was really not impressed with that demo. And part of it, I think, is that just Monster Hunter is like not a game that is ever going to demo very well because so much of it is like the long-term experience of like crafting armor and, you know, like getting attached to like your, your gear and your palicos and stuff. Mastering Um, the various intricacies of the monsters animations. Right. Right. But just, it looked really, um, I don't know. There was like a lot of aliasing and I don't want to be one of those people who is like, um, Oh, it doesn't look like the graphics aren't good enough. Therefore it's bad. But like world was just such like, this visual masterpiece of like it was like beautiful like you could just walk around in in that those levels and just be like want to take screenshots constantly <laughs> like yeah. it's just such a gorgeous looking game it looks unlike anything else right. in games right now yeah. it's you know it has sort of a kind of like what you could call realistic style but also it is just so like alien and like the geography is so interesting um and rise when i booted up the demo was like okay this looks like a video game there's like a bunch of shit on the screen. There's like these big glowing arrows telling me where to go instead of um, the scout flies. And um, and I hate it and it feels clunky and I don't really understand this wire bug thing. And um, within about two hours of playing the full game, I was just like, okay, so either I really misread the demo or they took like, or, or that was like a very early demo and they made a lot of changes because like a lot <laughs> of the shit that I hated about that demo is totally gone. Like those big glowing arrows that are like this way to monster. Um, not there anymore. Uh, right. It looks better. It runs better. It feels way less stiff. I don't know. Did, did that, was that kind of the experience that you, that you both had? I think when I tried the demo, I, I didn't really have any particular feeling on it, which is like strange again, because I put so much time in the world. It just felt like, okay, yeah, this is what I would feel like a Switch Monster Hunter would be like, which is more damning against the Switch than I, you know, than I mean it to be. Sure. But like <laughs> it, it it didn't make any real impression on me. And I was like, okay, I'll play this. I'll play this when it comes out, but I'm not really expecting much from it. I did not from that demo expect it to be like one of my favorite playing Monster Hunters. Like right. I, it felt like I think we all came in with this like weird idea that this game was going to be like um, 
more traditional, more like foreign generations of games like that. I don't know where we all got that idea, but that kind of colored how I per- or perceived the game in the demo in the first couple of hours, especially because the first couple of hours are like, go get mushrooms. I'm like, not this again. But <laughs> it's not that. It is such a, it's like the full game does feel different than the demo. And I'm not sure it's that's because of like, it actually is different or just the perception I had. Well, that's actually a great opportunity to back up like Merritt was hinting at a minute ago, because I think the place that a lot of people, ourselves included, got the idea that this was going to be a more traditional Monster Hunter is that um, the Monster Hunter games are sort of developed... in tandem, like they're developed, one team is working on one game, the next team is working on another, kind of a Treyarch Infinity Ward Call of Duty thing. And the team that did the previous um, game Generations and uh, Generations Ultimate, which is like this very handheld focused, like celebration of the handheld games, worked on this game. Whereas the Monster Hunter World team is presumably off working on World 2 or Monster Hunter Galaxy or whatever they're going to call it. And um, so we saw a lot of the like design intricacies and sort of esoteric ideas from those older games in a lot of the early footage of this game, which is set in a very traditional looking sort of Japanese architecture kind of place called Kimura Village. You are a hunter who has lived there your entire life, which is a unique thing for this game. They uh, mentioned to me in an interview, uh, Ryuji saw uh, uh Oh, God, I should have uh, written down their names here, but it was uh, Ichinose is the director of the game, and uh, I believe it was him who set up that this is the first game in the series where you are basically born and raised in the place that you are hunting in, Uh, as opposed to in most Monster Hunter games, you're like a fledgling member of the hunting guild kind of Mm -hmm. sent out into the wild to go complete quests. Uh, This has a bit more story to it and a bit more connection. Uh, Yasunori Ichinose says, uh, Paul, thank you very much. He's the director of this game. Um, And yeah, a lot of that stuff kind of like evokes a lot of that older era of Monster Hunter game visually. But uh, once you actually dig into the mechanics, I would say that this is way more approachable than even World is in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the big things that I definitely noticed even going in the demo is... uh, when you heal in Monster Hunter, your kind of like primary healing item for most hunts is like the Mega Potion. And uh, traditionally, the Mega Potion is a very slow thing. It's a it's a kind of a risk reward of like, well, I got to heal or I'm going to die. So but it's going to take me a while before I like finish chugging this animation and everything like that. In World, they allowed you to walk around while you were drinking, which was kind of a nice quality of life thing. But now not only do they do that, but you get like an instant burst of healing right at the start. The minute you press that button, you get some health back which is like a huge difference it sounds small but it's like a huge difference into the flow of combat and like just in general the flow of combat in monster hunter rise is super super different than any other game and i think it largely comes down to that wire bug that uh, i believe you mentioned Merritt. yeah i mean should we back up maybe for people who have never played a monster hunter game because i think we're we're going into this uh, oh sure sure we're going sure. into this i think from the perspective that most people who play this game are going to be people who who played world because right um i think you know the monster hunter series has been running for a very long time both of you have played some of the older games i'm someone who got into it with world and um it, the series is in a weird place now where like so many people way i think more people than have ever played it before got into it with world because that was Absolutely. the first game that was really aimed at like a an international audience in a big way um, and that was, you know, on PC and then was like on all these different consoles and stuff. Um, and world did away with a lot of older sort of things. Um, and 
Uh, so there are going to be people coming to this who have just played World. There are going to be people coming to it who have played past games. And there are going to be people, maybe, I hope, coming to it who have never played a Monster Hunter game before. Yeah. So, like, what is, you know, like, what what is the appeal of, like, a Monster Hunter game for you two? Because you, you have been playing this series for a lot longer than me. Yeah, Ron, I'm actually curious because I know you have also played some of the older games starting back with four. So it's changed, right? Because like I, I, I got really got into four where I had played Monster Hunter Try on Wii. And like the focus of that game has always been, you know, find a monster and kill it. And they kind of cut that in half in like in World and especially in Rise of now just kill a monster. So it is for me like it's a bunch of very fun series of boss fights that you learn. Yeah. And like it's it is a game essentially about grinding for materials by killing these bosses over and over, but like it never seems to feel repetitive in that respect. Like it always manages to feel like every time I fought fight uh in Azur well, maybe Azros is a little too simple, but like by the way, I'm not gonna pronounce any monster name correctly. <laughs> <laughs> like I refuse. I No, like, no, all your friends are there. Bishy, um Matt Marshmallow, Marshmallow. uh Rathy. Ma- um, Magna Mala- Magna Mello P- is one Pukey of them. Boy. Yeah, Pukey Boy. Um Arseface. Yeah. Superman. Like, that, f- that fucking like, bird. If I see that fucking bird one more time. That fucking <laughs> bird is like the most annoying it's not like it's not an ad, it's a, like the main enemy. We're talking about right. the same Somehow, bird, right? Yeah, the big fire bird that looks like an umbrella. Oh no, I love him. I'm ta- <laughs> I'm talking about Kuluyaku. Oh, that one, the big dorky bird. I hate it so much. <laughs> but, like, fighting a Kezu every time is still oh, fun. Even though Kezus are oh, horror monsters that when you get their armor, it looks like you're wearing Ezio's robe, but it's made of flesh. And uh-huh. I hate just looking at it. it looks just like big, you're rubbery, veiny garbage. foreskin. I'm sorry, but that's what <laughs> it looks like. Um, yeah, like, that's the thing. So for people who don't, who've never played a monster hunter like it might seem weird because this is kind of a it's not really something that like any other game does i mean there are games that have now tried to sort of copy the formula um like dauntless has basically tried to be like a monster hunter and tried to make that into a genre they've fallen off but for a minute there especially during like i think the ps3 and vita days there was a fucking million contenders to the throne right there's god eaters god eater uh, a bunch of games like that there's a Final Fantasy one no one has ever talked about. I've never talked to anyone who's played <laughs> what? that What? I've never even heard of it. I, d- I don't remember the title offhand, but it definitely, it was a 3DS game that no one I have talked to has ever played. Wow. I can't ever track down. Huh. Oh, yeah, no, I don't yeah. think I've ever heard of it. But so the way that I have been thinking about Monster Hunter and like with Rise, this is truer than than ever for me is it it's like playing a fighting game. Uh, it's like playing a cooperative fighting game yeah. where there are all these different characters and you learn their movesets and you like learn their behaviors and stuff and how to counter all of their different attacks. And um, it's basically, it's like playing Street Fighter if after you beat M. Bison, you get to steal his hat and wear his hat afterwards <laughs> and his hat gave you some of his power. Or like you right. get to like you could do a psycho cape. crusher. You can do a psycho crusher now or you know, you have better defense against shoryukens or something. Um and I think that's an you know, it's a good comparison because it's Capcom, right? And like um obviously the teams yeah. working on these games are not the same, 
but I feel like there is this DNA of like, this is what, like when people talk about learning fighting games, it sounds like this to me. And like, I think I get the same thing out of a monster hunter game that a lot of people get out of fighting games because like all of the characters, like, you know, there are actual named characters in this one, which is kind of a departure for the series. Um, And I kind of like, I didn't think I would, but the main character, the real characters of monster hunter games are the monsters. And they all have so much personality and either you, you'll hate them um, and like love killing them or you'll, cause it looks like a giant penis with wings. Like yeah. Dick, or you'll love them and maybe feel a little bad about killing them. Um, you can also trap them. And so they don't actually die. You still get rewards. <laughs> um, and it's actually, <laughs> we don't talk about where they go. We don't talk about where they go in this one. It's actually much better to trap them most of the time anyway. Um, but like just the monster hunter monster designs are some of the most fun designs of characters in like any video game I've ever seen. Right. Like I've thought about getting monster hunter tattoos because like, I love these, these weird little critters. Um, yeah. And just like that loop of, you know, uh, go, go to your base, prepare for a hunt by like eating something, crafting some armor, you know, getting your gear set up, going on a hunt, carving and coming back and doing it again. Like, it's so compelling to me. Mm-hmm. It was destiny before destiny was really a thing. Right. Right. It, and if, you know, and destiny, I think has like a, the loop of destiny is unless you're doing raids or like really high level content or PVP, it's way more laid back to me. It's way more um, kind of mindless, and, totally. um, which isn't bad. Like it feels really good. Bungie knows what they're doing. Like they're the best in the biz when it comes to making shooters feel good. But like Monster Hunter is way more, um, unless you're just grinding low level materials, it's way more thoughtful. Like it's like playing a fighting game, right? Like you have to pay attention mm-hmm. to like your opponent's tells. Like, oh, uh, the Narcacuga is like rearing back. Like, is it going to shoot spines out of its tail or like do like a swing or or jump at me or what? Um Versus and you have a variety of tools that you can yeah. at your disposal to react to that, like the Superman right. dive. You know? Right. Yeah. And so like, and, and also, you know, like every different weapon in a monster hunter game is like playing a different character essentially, or like a different class. Like they're totally. not like guns in destiny where it's just like, it changes your, your damage output or whatever. It's just like, you know, like I've been mating the great sword in rise, which is not a weapon that I played at all with in world. And like the great sword is just like, like it's like you have a buster sword basically and like you swing it extremely slowly but when you hit it just does like comically big numbers uh and it can stun monsters and you can block with it and that's totally different from something like um like the insect glaive or like the charge blade which Steven, I feel like you have tried to explain (laughs) to me the charge blade multiple times and I still don't understand how it works no, it's super simple, right? So, okay, you start in a uh, sword and shield mode, right? And then you, you as you attack the monster, your vials start to fill up. But once your vials fill up, you'll start bouncing off the monster if you keep attacking. So you need to charge your shield with the vials. But once you've done that, you can continue to charge so that you can power up axe mode. And once you're in axe mode, you can, <laughs> and hammer goes buck. Yeah. <laughs> it's like some of those weapons will also put like the the great sword itself will punish you for mashing buttons. Yeah. But if you're not mashing buttons with the dual blades, then what are you doing? Why right. do you play dual blades? Yeah. Um, 
and and yeah. the greatsword is a great example of like a like a very good teaching tool in the Monster Hunter franchise. I've always felt because it is so fighting game like and is so based on recognizing tells and being able to like read your opponent in that way. The greatsword is punishes you so hard for missing hits that like okay no you need to know what this monster is about to do because if you miss or if you have to spend time dodging or spend time on the ground or get hit or whatever you're going to be missing out on such huge numbers because it takes so long to get another hit in right right um and there's Uh, such a big range too i mean they they didn't add any new weapon types for rise but there already is such a big range and they've expanded what you can do with all the different weapons Um, yeah you know there's there's switch skills or switch skills and the wire bug is like the big new mechanic Mm -hmm. in rise which um you know i i going into rise i was like okay so monster hunter world gives you a thing called the clutch claw um and well the slinger and then eventually they upgrade it to to the clutch claw which lets you basically pick up items in the environment and fire them at monsters um and then also like fire a claw and jump onto them and sort of like uh weaken them by like uh damaging their defenses and i was like okay it's gonna be really hard to play a monster hunter game without that and then rise comes along and says what if um what if you were just playing spider-man at the same time as you were playing <laughs> what if you could just swing like spider-man used to from nothing um before they figured out how to like make the webs actually attached to buildings um because you have these little like firefly like bugs that basically will like shoot out a distance with like a little trail behind them that you swing from um and you can use those like at first you're like okay this is like a traversal tool right i can use these to swing around and then you start to see like all of the different possibilities that they afford and it starts getting really wild like steven you've talked about how you can't see playing a monster hunter game without the wirefall move anymore yeah which is such a like at this is another thing too, where, you know, it took you about two hours before you were like, okay, I get it. And it was about the same with me with the wirefall, especially because it is such a misnomer of a name. When I heard wirefall, like the game basically tells you, okay, so if you get knocked back by a monster, you're going to fall flat on your butt. And then you have a couple of different options for like wake up moves, which is also a very fighting game thing. This has always been in monster Mm -hmm. hunter. Um, but with the wirefall, if you want to, you can just, um, zip right on out of there like a spider-man zip attack kind of thing and that is tied to a um charge that is on a cooldown because all the wire bug moves are uh but it also comes with a bunch of different um trade-offs as well because the thing about getting knocked on your butt in monster hunter is it makes you invincible you can't be damaged during that animation and you lose a lot of time um like uptime on your damage and and you don't have as many options to like then get back into the fight but you know you get a breather whereas if you use the wirefall now uh you can immediately zip out of it and get right back into combat or even land uh, like a jumping mounting attack onto the monster. And the trade-off there is a, it's on a cooldown, so you can't just spam it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And B, if you do that, you lose those iframes. You are immediately open to damage again. And so there is all this new brand new level of um, thinking about what monsters are going to do and having to know what they do with uh, the, Prime example for me being the Nargakuga, for instance, oh God, you mentioned. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was just fighting one this morning and like I kept like getting smacked by it and being like, oh, haha, I'll just jump right back at you. <laughs> and then it does a second smack and like mm-hmm. that can kill you if you take those both hits in a row. If you're not careful, it'll just wipe you out. 
Totally. I feel like Dark Souls knowledge really hurts fighting the Nargakuga because every time I want to just dodge the wrong direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. One hundred percent. Um, and that's exactly it. But then, if you know that about Nargakuga, you know better. So you wirefall away, or you don't wirefall, and you just let yourself use those iframes, or you know, ah. Nargakuga only does the double tail swipe when he's enraged and his eyes are always glowing red when he's enraged. So I can always tell when he's doing it. And that is like peak monster hunter. That is monster hunter to a T by all by itself. And they've just built extra layers onto like the tower of things that you have to keep in mind in monster hunter. And I wouldn't say it's like, too much. That was actually one of the things I was most skeptical about. It was like, especially with the wire bug was like, this is, this feels like so much to, keep track of in my mind, but sure enough, like five hours into the game, it's just like, Oh, all right. This is all second nature to me now. Basically. Yeah. It took me like 10 hours before I started like really using the wire bug. And I was like, it's that thing of, Oh, I've played these games before. I don't need to, you know, worry. My strategies still work. And yeah. it's true that like, you can just slash at the monster and dodge. And for the most part, that will still work. But like, like I, I, I use long sword primarily in this game. Mm. And I've used that in previous games and getting to red aura is such a pain because you have to do like those special slashes and pretty much complete a full combo on monsters that don't want to stand there and let you do a mm-hmm. full combo like three times. Mm-hmm. But the wire bug makes that so much easier because the wire skill, if you can get it like it is basically, can I aim at this monster and hit them? And if so, you get a full aura bump. If you do that like more than once, you are at full strength, which makes these battles so much faster and mm, yeah. I don't want to say easier because like it is quite a bit like more difficult to do this, but it is a convenient thing that streamlines a a thing that can be done before, but not as well. Yeah. I mean, we, we've all talked about that when we were playing together before too. It's just like, yeah, so much of the wire bug stuff and the silk bind attacks are all about reducing downtime. If you know what you're doing, which right. like, then I was worried like, oh, maybe that needle moved too far in the other direction. Maybe the game is too easy now. But then as you continue to mess with it, like you said, Imran, it's not easy. It's not like, oh, they just made it so that you don't take as much damage. Instead, it's like, hey, all those times where before you only had two options, now you have four options. Right, and right. if you know which one to hit at exactly the right time, you'll do faster and better. But you always have to be doing stuff. You always have to be thinking and knowing what the monster is going to do in response as well. It's not like the, yeah, they just like bumped off the difficulty. It's they yeah. added more options. It's right. Great. Yeah. I think like the the extra like that's always a thing in like any game is like when you add more options or ways of dealing with a scenario typically there are some that are just going to come out as being like the superior strategy and like Mm -hmm. those and you know they'll just crowd out everything else um and so the trick i think in design a lot of the time is to add a trade-off to like the quote like superior techniques and like i think that's what the wire bug does is it adds like a technical aspect to like a lot of these moves where like if you know what you're doing you can really like show off and get flashy and do some really silly stuff and if you don't you're gonna get fucking killed but like if you don't (laughs) you don't have to play with those things until you are ready to like Mm -hmm. you don't have to use the wire bug at all if you don't want to um you can hunt like all of the early monsters and probably a lot of the later ones too it'll take you a little longer but like it's not a necessity, but like once you start playing around with those things and then start playing around with switch skills, because like 
is that's new, right? Or is that from older games? So switch skills as a concept called switch skills are new, but once you start to mess around with a bunch of them, you do realize that a lot of the ideas at play are pulled from generations. They're like hunter um, arts, right? Yeah. Which are like the They're super like, moves from old games. Totally. It's it's kind of a mix of hunter arts and hunter styles, which was a thing in generations that you probably remember, Imran, to some degree. Um, like you talking about that, like jumping attack with your um, greatsword, for instance, like aerial style for the greatsword of Monster mm-hmm. Hunter Generations Ultimate had a very similar move. But rather than like basically make five different versions of every single weapon, there's already 14 weapons in this game. Rather than do that, they just like let you pick and choose certain moves to replace with different right. switch skills. Right. There's like more like, yeah, there's a little more customizability in terms of like how you play with, with your weapon. Um, uh, with the uh, charge blade in particular, one of my favorite kind of trade-offs that you can make is there's a move that lets you just plant your shield into the ground and like support yourself with a bunch of um, wire bug silk that shoots into the ground and holds you in place. And if a monster hits you at any point during that time, you get zero knockback. It's blocks it and it's zero knockback and it fills all of your vials, which is like key to the charge blade. And your character just like stands back up. It's like, all right, I'm ready for the fight again. The other option that you can have in that spot, you have to trade it off. That's the switch part, Mm -hmm. which I, it took me forever to realize the switch skills is probably a reference (laughs) to the fact that this is on the Nintendo switch. Yeah. (laughs) Um, the other option is a move where you just like immediately switch to, uh, or morph to the ax mode, slam it forward real quick on the monster, and then use it as a pull vault to launch yourself into the air and then do the amped elemental discharge, like the super move of the charge blade midair, uh, in any direction you want. And both of those have incredibly useful factors, like the, the really good block that also reduces your charge vial downtime is great, but then also having the ability to attack the monster from any angle Mm -hmm. is also great. Like I could see both styles being completely viable. And at the same time, you have two other moves to switch between on every weapon. Right. Right. So, um, what else, what else is new? So monster hunter games have always had like companions, like that help you out on your hunts. Um, Palicos. Yeah. And, uh, those were also in World, and they're in Rise as well. Um, but in World, you just had the one, and you had the one who who helps you out like across the entire game, right? In Rise, it's basically a second character, like a right. sidekick. In Rise, you can hire. You start with one, but you can hire a bunch of others as well um, to you know switch them out. You can you can have multiple uh, guys with different loadouts that you can switch between. You can send them off to do missions to gather stuff for you, um, but there's also Palamutes in this one, which are dog friends who you can ride around and, <laughs> and drift and Mario Kart do style. A drift on and then get a boost like you're playing Mario Kart. And you can have any combination, I think, of those for if you're playing solo, you can have two partners, right? Right. Um, yeah. And the Palamutes, I think, uh, so you can ride on them, which increases your speed, and you can use items and sharpen and do all that stuff while you're riding on them. Um, and they have their own sort of like scrolls, which are like abilities that they can use. And I think they do more direct damage. Yes. Uh, yeah. They're attack Palicons. types. They're attack focused. Yeah. They don't have as much support stuff, but like they'll they'll hit really hard. Um, but they're not gonna do things like heal you. Uh, no. whereas like the palicos have like much wider utility range. 
And the Palicos can come in different varieties, much like they did in Monster Hunter Generations, where right. it's like, this will be a trapper type, and they get just all kinds of trap-focused skills. Or this is a healer type that gets a ton of different healing skills, like right. that can cure poison and whatnot. Yeah, I'm, like the one I've been using, the healing one, is like, it'll like grow a little healing plant. <laughs> I love it! And then you like can pop it to create a little healing field for a while. Yeah, the Palico takes up- later. Which is also extremely useful. It's yes. Like, as monsters run around and like you come back to the same places. It's like, oh, thank God there's a healing plant. <laughs> yeah. The Palico literally pulls out like a potted plant and then waters yeah. it in front of you. <laughs> and then when the fruits have finished growing, you can pop those. It's so good. And that's. Uh, Imran, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to talk about like how that's just like the attention to detail is really back here. That's something that really impressed me with World and. Uh, yeah. All of the animations and stuff. And we can get into that more later with some of the Kimura Village stuff. But Totally. Imran, I was actually going to ask you, like, um, what do you prefer so far? Uh, Palamutes or Palicos? I, I like them both. The Palico definitely takes a side seat in this one. I don't think I can play another Monster Hunter game without, like, a Palamute. Because the fact... Just... They streamlined so many things. And yeah. one of the main things they streamlined is being able to get to a monster very quickly. Right. So just like the first thing I do every time I'm not fighting a monster is immediately get on the pile of meat and start running. Yeah. And like there's stuff like you mentioned before how world changed it so you could actually like drink and move at the same time. I never use a whetstone unless I'm on top of a pile of meat. <laughs> <when I'm laughs> yeah. Uh, how about you, Merritt? What do you uh, feel about the pile of meats? I mean, yeah, I feel like they add a lot. At first I was like not really sold on them. Um, it felt kind of weird. And also it is, it is kind of strange that like the Palicos are basically people like they can talk and stuff and the, yeah. the Palamutes are just, they're dogs. Like they are just literally <laughs> dogs. They don't talk or anything. And you can still send them off on submarines to go trade with far off people to get you items, which is kind of funny. Cause like, uh, how is that working? This is a real Leica <laughs> scenario of like sending this dog away in a fucking submarine. Um, but yeah, I wanted to, to talk about how, there, this game does streamline a lot of stuff. And like, I think some people might look at that. People who have played these games before, it might be like, oh, that's moving away from Monster Hunter because, um, you know, the, the game isn't just, unless you're doing arena quests, it's not just you're dropped in a room with a big monster and you have to kill it. It's like you have to track it. And sometimes you use traps and you use other stuff. But like, so in a way, you can just make a beeline to the monster much more quickly than you could in World. Um, yeah, there's no more scud flies. There's no more paintballs. You right. Just, there's no gathering tracks or anything. You just it's on your map and you you go for it. But the trade off there or like the the balance there, I feel like is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can do that. And like it's perfectly valid. But if you spend the time exploring the environment, you're going to get so many bonuses and advantages in fighting that monster that like you wouldn't otherwise because in addition to like the traditional monster hunter prep thing of like, you know, getting your items ready and like eating before a hunt, there's all this stuff that like is like a boost that you get from in environment things. So like the main thing is like the spirit birds, right? Where there are these glowing birds that like hang out. And if you go past them, they give you a buff that's dependent on an item that you have equipped. Like, so they'll give you different bonuses depending on like what, um, what like charm you have. And yeah, it's um, like higher, Higher max HP, higher max stamina, right. defense, and offense. And like those add up. And if you collect a bunch of those, you'll have like a pretty big boost to your stamina or to your defense or something. And there's other things too that are just like, you know, um, 
little environmental like insects that'll be like if you interact with them you get a temporary bonus to your defense or to your attack which is cool but there's even more there's like these things called hunter helpers which are like just basically um you know endemic life that's been a thing in monster hunter for a long time right just like little critters that live in the world and totally. in past games you know, in a world you could catch them with your uh your net to just get like hunter or like a uh, uh village points or whatever and they, you could like have them hang out in your you house. You could have as them pets. hang out in your house. In Rise, you basically you can like grab them for the duration of the hunt and then use them during the hunt to do different things. So like my favorite one uh is the stink mink, <laughs> which is basically just a skunk that when you use it, it just like runs off but like sprays you with uh with this gas that monsters just hate. Um, and you can use that to lure one monster to another. Uh, there's other ones that are just like, that will create a little field that heals you of poison. There's one yeah. called the gust crab, I think that just launches you up in the air when you use it. Um, and you're not like eating these guys or anything. You're just like, Hey, help. Or just like, hey, you let this yeah. like, little skunk go and it sprays you and then runs off or whatever. And it's like, it creates this sense of like, you're really using and like working with the environment to hunt this monster in a way that like is more organic than world felt like a lot of the time. Totally. I primarily use the stink mink because I've laid down a trap and then the monster will run away. I'm like <laughs> I'm not wasting this trap. <laughs> yeah, that that costs money. I use the stink right. mink now um, to create monster fights constantly because this is one of my favorite things about this game. Uh, and I wasn't sold on it in the demo, but now I love it. And so in world monsters would occasionally run into each other and fight. And you could drag monsters to each other to like make them fight. You could lure monsters to areas that were more advantageous for you. Um, but when monsters fought, it was basically a kind of like stand back and like let them fight moment. (laughs) And there were cool animations and it was really cool to see, uh, you know, a guy pick up another monster and swing it around with its mouth. In Rise, what happens is that monsters, when they fight, they'll get stunned. And then you can mount one of them. And instead of mounting being just like stab it with your knife a bunch of times until you can do a big, strong attack or, you know, run it into a wall. It's, oh, no, you are you have controls now you because you have all these. You're basically <laughs> like using wire bugs to like move it in different directions. You can do like two different kinds of attacks and a dodge, and then like a ram it into a wall or another monster thing. So mm-hmm. if there's a tough monster, what you can do is like lure another monster there, get them to fight, get on that one, um, like tackle it into the other monster, and then like do like a finishing attack, and then jump on that one and smash that one into a wall, and just like just cause like total chaos. And what Stephen and I discovered <laughs> to our <laughs> great delight is that. In your, if you're playing multiplayer, you can mount multiple monsters at the same time. And basically at that point, you are just like having a one-on-one fighter on the backs of these monsters. <laughs> yeah. You're fucking playing Primal Rage or some <laughs> shit here. <laughs> yeah. It's extremely good. Like one right. of the good advantages of that too is like, let's say there's a monster like a Magnamalo that is tough to fight, but you need like just fur or some materials from him. Like getting him in a fight with another monster will drop materials yeah. from him. Yeah. Which is like useful if I don't want to waste the 40 minutes trying to beat that guy and then losing at the end. Yeah. yeah. Right. 
Um, and even that has tech to it too. Like even that is a thing where if you are on these monsters and then that monster that you are riding gets hit, they get flinched for a, a few seconds. Um, so you need to also still know what the animations of the other monster is going to be. Otherwise you're just going to waste all your time riding and it's a big waste. But the other thing on top of that is that you're, you can once again use your wire bug charges to like basically cancel out of flinching. Yeah. Um, but that's still on a cooldown, so you can dodge around and do these attacks and try to, you know, increase the amount of damage and, and milk as much damage as you can out of the monsters. Because once you've done enough damage, you basically have, like, 10 seconds to use the, like, super attack-mounted Punisher. And in that yeah. small window of 10 seconds before your time finally runs out, you can still, like, I'm coming out, eco, just, like, mm, mm, two more punches real quick. Okay, now I'm going to shoot a big laser beam at this guy <laughs> while, <laughs> while like I a, beat on him. It's like... I don't know, playing that, I was just like, wait, why has there never been, like, a Monster Hunter uh, Pokken or, like, a Monster Hunter, like, Destroy All Monsters Godzilla-style <laughs> game? Because that would rule. And, like, this yeah, kind of like that. Like, it's in a very limited like, way. Some monster of the monsters just- have, like, different stances. Like, if you mount a Rathalos... A Rathalos standing up and a Rathalos flying have different move sets. <laughs> so it's, he's, like, oh. literally a stance character. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> Oh, it's great. And it feels like way less, Merritt, you and I have talked about this a ton. It feels way less rote and mechanical than like the Clutch Claw did. Yeah. It's not just Uh, like, oh, I got a mount. Lucky. Time to just stab it with my knife like a hundred times before I can do like an an elemental discharge and then it falls over and then I hit it a bit. Right. Yeah. Um, Or or the Clutch Claw, it was always like, okay, I get exactly three flinches and then I'm going to slam it into a wall. Right. Right. It's, yeah, it's just like another element where like it just feels maybe it's just because we haven't played it as much and like it will get to a point where we know the exact, you know, exactly what triggers amount and like all this stuff. But like there's just a sure. lot here that feels less like I was worried about this game going in that it would feel way more video gamey and less like alive like than mm-hmm. world. And if anything, it's kind of the opposite in a lot of ways yeah. in terms of the gameplay and stuff. And um, even the world itself, like. I don't know, like, World had this thing of, first of all, like, it had those unskippable cutscenes, and, like, <laughs> and it was just, like, trying to be serious about, like, we have to learn to live with the monsters and ecology and stuff. So, anyway, go kill a hundred lizards and cut their brains out, <laughs> and we'll learn about them. And Rise is just like, no, we don't, it's not, we don't care about that. We just live here. We're not, like... You know, we, we're not explorers visiting like the new world or whatever. Uh, we live here and sometimes monsters attack us and we just hate that. Um, yeah. And then there is 50 years ago, they killed hundreds of people in our village. Right. And we need to stop that from happening. Again. And there are occasionally there's some stuff of like, oh, it turns out this isn't just like a natural phenomena. Like, you know, there is something going on here that causes monsters to like attack our village and stuff. Um, but like, it's much less, I don't know, like world's narrative got a little pretentious at times i feel like in a way that it didn't really earn what it was going for and it always just felt kind of like i do not care about this grandma like let me get back to hunting i don't care um and these characters are like a little like they have names and stuff and they're like they have kind of like their own little narratives where they're like learning how they contribute to the village in ways that aren't hitting lizards with a big sword (laughs) which i really love um and i guess maybe that's this is a good time to talk about their rampage mode yeah, because that is absolutely. like the big thing of like you're defending uh, the village against just like a ton of monsters. 
How do you, how do y'all feel about this mode? I feel like this mode is, I, every time I've played it, I've either been frustrated or bored by it. Mm. And uh, every time I played it single player, I should say. Sure. With multiplayer, I think it's actually pretty fun and it like allows people to just kind of have their roles and it is a, it is much more of I think what they're going for. Yeah. Like it, it feels like it, what if you combine Overwatch and (laughs) Monster Hunter? And I think that idea works. But when you're doing it, like the first time I did fought the first Apex monster, which is a monster that is like extremely difficult and can literally combo you to death in one hit. Like first time I fought that, it was just frustrating because I didn't know how close that door was getting to die, like breaking down, which is the, you know, end state for you losing or how long, like, because at that point, just running out the clock of trying to get this monster distracted long enough before he breaks down the door. I find that stuff and like the turret sequence of the ballista and all that stuff, like, a little too repetitive and a little too frustrating. But again, I think that's the thing that probably shines better in multiplayer mode where you ha- do have people who can be there while one member is carded, who can like exchange or change off the, the roles they're playing that is not properly emulated by the, the villagers you can summon into the battle in that game or that mode. Right. The villagers that you can summon as like these sort of one-time use super moves are basically just that. They're super moves. They're not like AI companions that will help you throughout the fight in the same way. Um, but they are they are cool in their own ways. There's like some interesting interactions there. But yeah, Capcom has always been married to this idea that of like these sort of siege missions in previous games uh, pre- prior to Monster Hunter World. It was Lao Shan Lung was the big like siege thing where it's like this big long lizard that is walking down a big straight line and you're just shooting cannons at it periodically. Zora Magdaros was not too different from that. The thing with those modes is that they were so stiff and so long sometimes and just felt so repetitive. Zora Whereas this is breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> <laughs> these Break the fourth wall directly to you, the player. Drop some rocks on him. Go! The fucking the fact that the final boss kind of of world is rocks is like some rocks. <laughs> <laughs> because on Zora Magras, you're just hitting rocks on its back. It's just like it sucks. It sucked. That sucked so bad. Yeah. Uh and I will say, I think the especially uh to, to answer your thing there, Imran, about like multiplayer, A, it does just straight up feel way better in multiplayer. With like at least one other person, it makes all the difference in oh, the world. Yeah. Because, yeah. Because you're fighting like tons of different... Mo- we should we should say that yeah. like the, the way that this is structured is sort of almost a tower defense mode where large swaths of monsters are running through this kind of like fortress area up to a gate to try and destroy it. And every monster has an almost like MOBA like role that it plays. There are ranged attackers, monsters that will come straight at you and your defenses and then monsters that will ignore everything and just go for the gate. Um, And the idea is to, um, repel all those monsters until the lead monster, which is oftentimes these um, super monsters called apexes, which <laughs> it's confusing because apex monsters were a thing in Monster Hunter 4, but they're not actually called apexes in Japanese. So these aren't actually those apexes. These are different guys who are actually probably way closer to the deviants from Monster Hunter Generations, especially Rathian. Uh, the apex Rathian in this one works almost exactly like Dread Queen Rathian did in Monster Hunter Generations. So it's complicated, but um, <laughs> 
<laughs> it can uh, get really, really hectic because there's just so many people on the thing. But even just and it does scale with multiple people, multiple people adds more monsters and makes it harder. But even just having two people around to fulfill different roles or draw aggro from one another makes all the difference in the world. Whereas playing it solo, it's just it really is a lot of that Zora Magdaros feel of just like, yeah, OK, I'm going to go sit here and hold down the button until the cannon is ready to fire. And then I'm going to shoot a Dragonator and then wait for that to cool down and blah, 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 blah. And but when you're playing in multiplayer mode, it feels like train mode to me. It, it feels like the mode that like if you're on the subway uh, to work or wherever and you just need to get like, I'm going to I want to play for 15 minutes, just squat up with some people and do something. Yeah. It's great for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, it's it's weird because like they don't really make you do it that much. I think you have to do it no. like a couple of times in like the, the main story yeah. mode yeah. Um, it's like three or four maybe and then you get like you do get you know just normal materials from like the apex monster at the end but like you get rampage materials too which are used for like just this other way of like upgrading your weapons which doesn't seem right. like a huge thing right now but is it, like it feels like, like a, something that's going to be expanded on yeah it just gives updates. you like another little way of customizing your weapons which is kind of nice also it's fun in the rampage when they do this thing where like because most of the time there are so many monsters that you're just like using artillery and stuff but then occasionally they're like we fired a, a counter signal flare that somehow makes you hit 10 <laughs> times as hard um, and then it's your one-shotting fucking so yeah, uh rachnikadakis like a thousand damage with a great sword swearing and it's just like hilarious <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's like kind of weird, but, um, I don't know. I, I guess I also, I know we've been going for a while. I don't know how long we're going to go for it, but, um, I want to talk about some of the new monsters because, uh, Mm -hmm. there are, uh, new monsters in this game. There are monsters that return from world and there are monsters that uh, return from older games in the series as well. And I think overall there is like a greater variation in world and something that came up with that game was that because of the costs of making a an HD game, uh, they were kind of limited in the numbers of frames that they could use. So there was like, you know, dragon, big dog, um, bird, like a bunch, there were like five different yeah. frames in world. And by the end of Iceborne, I really felt like, okay, I've seen this guy before. He just has a different face. Right. There's, Even the new boss monsters would be like, oh, it's a it's a red dragon instead of a black dragon, right, or it's a blue dragon right. instead of a green dragon. And so, remember coming from four in generations, like being disappointed, all the insects were gone. Yeah, yeah, like, the Neopterons. Yeah, yeah, uh, um, they're back. Right, they are indeed. Yeah, I haven't actually seen them yet. I don't think. Um, yeah, so far there's only one real Neopteron, uh, Kadaki, which is a brand new monster. Okay, uh, it's like. It's like a queen spider, pelican spider that is also yeah. based on like the Suri. Right. Uh, I, I'm going to butcher it, but it's uh, all the monsters, all the new monsters are based on different yokai from Japanese mythology. Right. And Which I think is great. Like as someone who like kind of likes reading about that stuff, I yeah. like recognizing, oh, this is how they turned like the umbrella legend into a, <laughs> a bird monster. Yeah. And, like, that's, that's cool. Kasa Obake, which is yeah. like, one of my favorite uh, Japanese ghosts. It's like, just like an umbrella that um this there's this aspect of japanese myth where like if man-made uh items are used for like a hundred years they get a soul Mm -hmm. and uh you know so i would just see like these guys in like 
I feel like SNES games that I like going on mm-hmm. games and stuff that I played as a kid. Just be like, why is this umbrella have an eye and it's hopping towards me? Um, but yeah, there's uh, Aknasum, which is based on that <laughs> that monster, and it's like a really cool design. Um, and uh, it the, the Re- switch axe that you make out of it is called Aknasum, which I really love. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Great puns. Great. Uh, weapon designs on some of the workshop weapons in this one uh, for sure yeah, uh, I want to say is it Suchi Suchi Gomo I forget exactly um, the, the the yeah uh, yeah Suchi Gumo um, is the uh, spider mm. monster that um, Rachnikadaki is based on mm. um, but that just the fact that they have even one in here opens them up to future monsters that use that same skeleton type right. much more easily yeah um, which I think does bring us to one major thing with this, which I think this is part of the same conversation about monster variety, which is that, and Merritt, I know you haven't gotten to see the actual in like way, way end game of the game yet. Uh, Imran, have you seen what is currently the ending of monster hunter rise? Not yet. I am still a few hunts behind on that. Okay. Cause this is kind of a weird elephant in the room and it's, it's difficult. Yeah. (laughs) It's almost difficult to talk about without spoiling too much, but it's like, this game doesn't really have an ending right now. It's not it's done. It's not done. It's the yeah. weird thing. And it's like weird that we're like an hour in and haven't talked about that. But like, I think yeah. that speaks to like how strong what is here is. But like, yeah, you, totally. It's hard to deny that like it, you get to a point where it's like, okay, you have to go after the next thing. And it's just not in the game at launch. Like, yeah. It, it feels like a weird inversion of cyberpunk where like yep. the I'm game just is the same thing. machine, right. but it's not content complete yet. Yeah. Yep. Like they're like monster hunter one point or world 1.0 was very similar in that it also was not very clearly done, but like there was an ending. Like you still thought Zoro Magnus, like right. it finished. It just, this feels like, Hey, we have to get this game out in March because yep. that's the end of our financial year. Yep. That Nintendo probably has some interest in having this game out by the end of their financial year. Like March twenty sixth is a very March is a very suspicious month to release games in any way. Yeah. <laughs> but like this really like proves that rule where it's it definitely feels like and I think it, Stephen the Wright said this and he looked this up. They are releasing the rest of the game later when it's actually like done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They vaguely alluded to this. I, <laughs> it was a it was a trip to go through because I put about like, and that's the other thing too is like this is not like a ten hour game and then it just feels like completely like a demo. This is like right. probably you, a, you plowed through this thing. I plowed through this thing. I like played through it in like. Then. Yeah, I put like 60 hours in in the course of like three or four days. It was wild. Uh, I played a lot of it because I was having such a good time, partially, because I did enjoy this like incredibly polished experience. Like Imran, the comparison to Cyberpunk, like the the inversion of Cyberpunk in this way is like exactly the comparison I made to somebody else uh, a couple days ago about this game and how much I prefer this method of like making a game that is structurally not just sound, but damn near a masterpiece in a lot of ways. And yeah. then, okay, well, they'll add the end game content later, which, uh, a, like, I just prefer that method in general. It almost feels more like an early access game than anything else. Um, and B monster hunter in particular has such a sterling track record of adding stuff after the fact, uh, with monster hunter world at this point that like, I'm yeah. willing to give Capcom the benefit of the doubt. 
but yeah, it, I, I beat this game in about 50 hours, plowed through it in like a weekend, um, which is not the experience most people are probably going to have. Right, yeah. And, <laughs> um, and I got, I was like, okay, so, all right. Well, Monster Hunter games always have these hidden objectives at the end that allow you to get to the real final boss. I just got to keep poking at it and I'll figure it out. And I put in like another five hours and another 10 hours, and another 15 <laughs> hours. And I reached out to Capcom finally. It was like, so, hey, how do I access the rest of the game? And I got a response back from Capcom being like, uh, that is the end of the game for right now. And it wasn't until I found like a tweet on the official Monster Hunter uh, Twitter account that showed like a developer interview with uh, Ichinose where he like alludes to the fact that title update two for this game, which does not have a release date yet, is going to be what has what they are calling the conclusion to the story of Monster Hunter Rise right now. Um, And even before that, there's going to be a title update one in April at the end of April that is going to include, uh, they've said, Camellios, who is an elder dragon uh, from past games. Uh, it's going to include several new monsters and the ability to raise your hunter rank past the cap, which is not available in this game. There's nothing right. to grind yeah. at the end. Um, and currently, yeah, there's there's really nothing to there's no end game. Like, it, yeah, and there's a lot of stuff. It's missing so strange, too, right? Because like, yeah, even like, um, so a lot of the systems went back to they. You know, we were talking about how like this is like still it's a continuation of world in a lot of ways, but a lot of the crafting systems did go back to like prior games where like, um, you know, you craft decorations now. They don't drop right. randomly. Uh, Which was a huge frustration for a lot of right. um, veteran players in world. Right. But there's a lot of them that you can't craft right now that like you just yep. have no way of getting. Um, it is as far as I can tell. Unless, and, and it's uh, what I'm guessing is that it's possible to get them as a random drop from some of the melding oh, uh, talismans. Sure. But right now, there is no way to get max level handicraft, which is like a long time Monster yeah. Hunter skill in this game. You can get up to level four or five, but there's no huh. way to craft handicraft jewels. And all of the armor pieces in the game put together with handicraft yeah. on them will only get you to level four. Yeah. That's weird. Except for the final boss, I've seen every monster in this game, and they're still like, question marks on my weapon tree which yeah, is like right. that doesn't go away yeah that's it's so strange because i don't know what they thought because capcom to be clear has not made an out or outright said this is the way it is right and i don't know what they thought people would take from that like oh like oh this will all come in updates or whatever like there's no roadmap for this game yet they haven't co- come out and said the atar is capped until the next update or whatever. They've said some new monsters are coming, then there'll be a title update eventually later. It's like, I I feel like they're going to take it on the chin on this one. Like, th- yeah. this is such an amazing, great game, but that it has, that the end game is so thin is going to cause a reputation for it that it probably doesn't entirely deserve, but a little bit deserves right. it. Right. I just, yeah, I mean, I, I can see the narrative really easily becoming like, Monster Hunter Rise is an unfinished game that they're selling for $60 or whatever. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, like, if those question marks weren't there, and if the game had, like, uh, even, like, maybe, like, one more Elder Dragon at launch or something, or if it just, like, had, like, a satisfactory wrap-up to the narrative, it wouldn't feel incomplete, I don't think, at launch. Because, you know, World didn't have a lot of endgame. At launch like it had a little not bit, at launch no um but a lot of this like stuff came later stones there's yeah. stones and stuff but that was like about it and so it's weird that they like set themselves up for this 
Like, yeah, like there's no like they could have just been like, okay, we'll wrap it up. And then like, hey, guess what? There's all this stuff coming. And instead, the narrative is going to be this game isn't done and we're expected to wait. Like, so why should we buy it at launch? Um, And I think there is a very good reason to buy it because like it's still a lot here and like it's fantastic. And like if you're not playing it in advance of a review, you probably won't put 60 hours into it in the first week. Uh, And also multiplayer, it's still like one of the best co-op multiplayer experiences in any game, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. But it is very weird. Um, Yeah, like the... I think both of you hit on something here, which is just like, if they just presented this ever so slightly differently, all they would have to do in this game right now is the final boss that you currently fight. If you fought that and then credits played and then they moved a cutscene as like a post credits stinger. Right. No, we wouldn't be having this conversation. It'd be right. like, oh, I guess that's a little disappointing, but I know that there's a title update in April. So I guess that's where most of that stuff is going to come. It's just the, the the way that it's presented is like you beat the final boss. There's no credits. And then like nothing happens. And all the NPCs in the game are just like, yeah, we're just going to have to keep an eye out for the next threat. We know something big is coming. Uh, we'll tell you when it's here and it's like not presented as just like, and uh, there's no message on screen that says, and wait for title update one in April right, to, right. to get that. It's just like, yeah, we'll, we'll warn you. So again, my immediate reaction was like, well, there must be more here. I was like Pepe Silva, Sylvia in myself <laughs> this whole time. She's like, no, the question marks, they wouldn't leave the question marks there. If there wasn't more game, I'm clearly just missing something. Maybe if I do all of the key quests, even the ones that aren't marked, I'll do, uh-huh. yeah, that'll get me the actual end game. And then Capcom was like, no, <laughs> just stop. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a trip. Um, but the, like you said, Merritt, the average player who plays this game is not going to reach the ending before, uh, I think like not too far in advance of like that first title update coming. Yeah. And that stands to really, really, really flesh out this game. Like even having more Hunter rank to grind is like a big deal. Like that's something it's a number, but it's something Yeah. plus, you know, that's one more elder dragon for sure. They tease Gormagala in uh, that trailer as well. And Gormagala probably means Shigoru Magala, which is its evolved form, which is also an elder dragon. So there's probably more stuff like that coming down the line. It's just, yeah, it's going to be uh it's going to be very interesting to watch how people respond to this. Yeah, I think in a year this is going to be like, oh yeah, everyone's going to agree Monster Hunter Rise is a top tier Monster Hunter game. Yeah. But like right now, depending on how quickly you burn through these games and granted, like you said, our job is <laughs> to burn through these games as fast as possible. <laughs> but like if you're someone who does who feel like you will beat this game and beat all the content and will get bored of it before the end of April, then like maybe wait till the end of April to pick it up. Yeah, or at least close to so you know play it in the week yeah. leading up to the title update or something because yeah. and get ready. But yeah, because it and it's it's a problem of expectation too. Because if this was like a fifty hour game that is not a Monster Hunter game, you'd be like, wow, that's a really meaningful right. experience. Yeah. And oh, there's more coming. But like Monster Hunter is so built on the back of having stuff to chase at the end right. for um, really really obsessed players, and that just isn't here. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like it's like weird because it's almost like like live game e kind of where like yeah you know i'll be uh you know i was playing through through monster hunter and like you know you can upgrade your armor with uh armor spheres right and i'm always like oh i don't want to waste them now because i know that like (laughs) i'm gonna just be getting new armor soon and like i don't want to waste them in low rank because like i'm gonna get to high rank soon and like blah 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 um that's maybe just me being a sicko but like 
it's yeah, it is almost like this expectation kind of of like, okay, I'm going to like knock through all of the low rank stuff and then get into high rank and then like the real monster hunter begins. But uh-huh. like that isn't true for everyone. <laughs> like I think when I played World and I got to the end of World, I was like Oh, like at launch, I was like, okay, cool, I'm done. And like this Dreamstone stuff is fucking bullshit and I don't care. And uh, I'm done. And then it wasn't until Iceborne that I was like, when they reworked all that stuff, when I was like, okay, no, they got me back in. But uh, It's a much better system in Iceborne, to be fair. You know, I will say one of, like, I don't know how to exactly put this, but the fact that there are monsters that are beginning tier monsters in World that are uh-huh. not beginning tier monsters in Rise really threw me off. Because yeah. when Anjanath kicked my ass, oh my I was extremely surprised. Or Jira Totas <laughs> yeah. only high yeah. rank. It's like a joke. Which is like a joke. And in this game, it's like actually kind of rude. Um, <laughs> I haven't mentioned how there's a bear monster that will steal your honey if you're carrying it and then eat it in front of you. <laughs> and that's like one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And I had to be like, hey, that's my, give me back my hoodie. And then I knocked it out of its hands and it got really upset at me. Uh, uh, just to circle back on that really quickly, like the degree of personality in the monsters, we we hinted at it a little bit, but oh my God, the monsters are just so good in this one. So Bishaten. Yeah. It's one of my absolute favorites. It's like a monkey bat that um, has a hand for a tail. It's like that- an iPod from Pokemon. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Um, and his whole attack pattern is throwing different kinds of fruit at you, like grenades, but they all have different abilities. <laughs> like sometimes it's a flash bomb, sometimes it's a poison grenade and various other things. Then if you, if like, he's just oozing personality yeah. all over the place. But one of my favorite little things that he does is if he throws the flash bomb, he covers his eyes with his wings and then throws the flash, the flash goes off. And then he, before like, you know, uncovering himself will like peek his eyes out uh-huh. from behind his wings real quick and be like, is it safe? Is it good? Oh, it's like, okay, now I'll go. Yeah. Like, you try to hit him with like a long sword, like a vertical slice when he's standing up on his hand, like his hand tail, he will like Jackie Chan dodge it. Like Michael, Michael Jackson thriller lean, basically. And it's like, oh, that's so cool. I hate that you did that. But, but you can so also cool. like, when it's getting ready to throw all the fruit at you, you can like stun it and it'll drop all of its fruit and then you can pick them up and throw them back at it. Oh, it rules. Um, There's just so many more interactions like that. I feel like between the monsters uh, and hundred percent and the monsters and each other than there were in world. And it leans even further into that, like uh, comparison to destiny or that, like what this game does that destiny kind of doesn't like, I remember playing destiny back in 2014, like OG destiny and like, just doing running circles in the Cosmodrome, um, shooting the same like five enemies over and over again. Over time, just the weight of familiarity with those characters kind of like made me feel like, oh, this is my friend, the Fallen Vandal. Like this uh-huh. is like I feel good about uh, you being here. I'm going to kill you, but I know you're going to be back. <laughs> and you get that same feeling from Monster Hunter monsters, but because they are such a, they are on such uh, closer to even footing with you because they can fuck your shit up. Like even the lowest rank ones, if you're not moving and paying attention, yeah. a Kulu Laku can kill you. Uh, and B like they have all this personality. So it does create this sort of like friendly rivalry with these monsters where it's like, okay, technically I hunt you and kill you and steal your parts, but you're just going to be back. It's not like I'm fighting 77,000, Arzuroses. It's the right. same Arzuros every time, the same way sure, it's like just catch it's it Ryu like, every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, my headcanon is very much that. It's like, nope, this is my friend, this guy, we have a friendly rivalry together, and oh, I know it's all that, his little intricacies. Yeah, the, uh, the Looney Tunes, like, uh, 
wolf and sheepdog, like you clock in. Yes. At like the sheep, oh the sheep farm. <laughs> like the monsters. <laughs> and, like, the monsters like, just clock in. They're like, oh, hey, Ralph. Hey, all right. I'll see you later. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow. Yes, you're absolutely right. That's I exactly feel what it bad is. when I kill the monster instead of capturing it. Yeah. Like, oh, I missed I missed the prompt to capture it. Right. And I accidentally just killed it. It's like, well, I guess, you know, maybe I went a little too far this time. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh no. What's oh, your, don't uh, don't tell mom. Don't tell mom. What's your favorite <laughs> monster in this game? It doesn't have to be new. Just like what's your favorite monster that you you've met in this game? I really, really like uh Almudron. Mm, the mud dragon. Uh, who, the mud dragon. He's like a traditional looking sort of Eastern dragon with a big like mustache and everything, but is like covered in mud. And he's like the Chad Giratotis where he's like actually a huge threat uh-huh. and can like create shockwaves of mud and will eventually, you know, near the end of the fight, build his own little fortress uh-huh. of like mud towers and then hide inside of it. And you have to like run around and jump around and and fight him inside of his domain almost. It's wild. For me, I think it's uh, Somnicanth, the like like, evil mermaid monster. It's just (laughs) such a cool design, but like fighting it is so like, you have to just constantly be on, on, on point fighting it. Because if you, if you're paying like miss attention for like a second, it will have already like blinded you and attacked you by that point. Cause mm-hmm. it moves around in such a nice serpent like way that like, I, I really appreciate how they transferred all the yokai to, you know, to the new monster designs. But I think some is like the best of those. Yeah. It's really good. It all, when you start that fight too, it also has a great like little uh, character detail where it's like floating on its back and like breaking clams on its on a rock on its chest like an otter, <laughs> and sometimes will um, smash two rocks together that create a flash like because it's like flint striking that will also stun you. Uh, I, so good. Uh, what about you, Merritt? Well, I'm so glad they brought Puke Puke back because it's my favorite monster from World, and we haven't <sighs> mentioned that like all of the monsters get like. Instead of doing the thing in world where like you went into the level and then you like ran up to the monster and then it did like a little intro cutscene, they do like these intro cutscenes the first time you hunt any of them, like right before the fight. Right. Where like I guess in Japanese they're like in this uh like what's the style called? Kabuki. Uh, no theater. Oh kabuki. Yeah. Okay. And then in um if you have the language set to English, it's just basically these like rhyming couplets of like th- with this like grainy like um, like footage of the monster like doing like look like they make every monster look like the biggest fucking badass except <laughs> I mean there's like a few but Puke Puke like all of them except are just Puke like Puke. they're like do not go into the woods at night or you will get a deadly fright but then Puke Puke is like it wants to eat a mushroom oh it tastes <laughs> bad the mushroom's not good it wants to eat something else and it's just like Puke Puke like big dip shit or something <laughs> like, <laughs> Right, they all get like a name. Yeah, yeah. Look at this fucking clown. Look at this clown. This like fucking lizard clown. So I love that one. But then like my favorite one that I that was not in World is Mitsuzune. Mm. Uh, Mitsuzune is like this water dragon that like it just slides around everywhere and like it It shoots bubbles. like strafe and fire like a pressurized water laser out of its mouth, and then it shoots these bubbles. And like if you get hit by them you get this status called bubble blight where like you're just sliding around all over the place and it's like really right. annoying and inconvenient, but like very funny. 
And uh, there's like also like a skill you can get with certain armor that like makes it good to have that because like it increases mm-hmm. your evasion. As it's really cool. Also, it's armor. I really like great. how that that monster on the last phase is basically like bubble drunk. It uh-huh. just basically drunken mastered its way through the rest of the fight. It's like, <sighs> oh, this is such a cool idea. Mizutsune was my favorite uh, monster from like Generations, um, where they introduced. I believe Mizutsune was introduced in Generations, or was it wasn't four? Was it? It was not four. I don't think was I not four. Okay. Because it was one of the faded four. I remember where they were like all these monsters have like a mascot character, and it's like Nergigante was in World, um, Zenogre was one of them. I think once Rakadios was the th- uh, Monster Hunter three, um, and in uh, Generations they were like, well, what if we had four mascots <laughs> called the Faded Four? And Mizutsune was my absolute favorite out of those uh, for sure. Um, oh, one one other one I want to shout out real quick is Gas Harag is a really great Ooh, brand new monster yeah. in this game. Yeah. Who's just a guy? Just a big, weird, <laughs> like, Yeti guy who just, like, gets yeah. himself an ice sword. Yeah. It, or t- sometimes two ice swords on his arms, or sometimes an ice sword in one hand and an ice hammer in the other that stuns you uh-huh. while he fucking slices you open with the other, and you, but you, you can shatter them off of his arms. Yeah. Like, he legit feels like a Zelda boss. Yeah. 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 Okay, that is the one thing, the last thing that I want to add um, is that... There is Breath of the Wild DNA in this game. I oh, feel yeah. Like, because yeah. just like the using the environment, um, the traversal. So like in a way, this game is much less vertical. It's like it feels less densely vertical than World did. 100%. But, Except for the desert, which is extremely vertical. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, That's there true. is still a lot of verticality. It's just not obvious at first because you see all of these like cliffs and stuff and you're like oh that's just like the edges that's like the edges of the path that the game has like created to make it seem like real but like i can't go up there but you can go up there because you can use the wire bug to like launch yourself up and then wall run and like most parts of the game you can always climb up and so it has sort of that that breath of the wild sense of just like no i'm just gonna climb up here and like oftentimes there is stuff if you go up there like there's resources or like you know um hunter helpers spear or birds. spear birds yeah. or whatever and um once you realize that it's like oh no this is actually a lot more open than it initially seems which is really cool the the moment that that really um struck home for me was in the flooded forest map uh in this game where in it there's like this big sort of like step pyramid like an aztec temple yeah. kind of uh, area mm-hmm. in the background and i was like oh that's a cool thing in the background and then i went over there and it was just like oh no i can climb this entire thing uh-huh. and oh there's rooms inside yeah, of it. Yeah. If I can go inside of this pyramid and find all these items inside and weird like messages. There's this whole uh, set of collectibles like telling these various stories of like old hunters from like hundreds of years ago or whatever that you can collect that are a real pain in the ass to find yeah, as it turns yeah. out. It's it's a little interesting because like in terms of map design, at first I thought this game was like Switch limited because the first couple of maps are very small compared to what you would find in World. Then, like, at some point, like, the volcano and beyond, it, they're huge. They're, like, yeah. almost too big because it tends to spend so much time, like, running around finding monsters because they move, like, across the map in t- five seconds. It it becomes pretty clear eventually that it's less a limitation of the Switch and seems like it's probably more of a response to criticism of what a pain in the ass it was to navigate the ancient forest yeah, oh in Monster God, Hunter yeah. World. <laughs> it, like, seems like a willful decision Especially and not, like, just something. you don't have... Um the uh you don't have scout flies anymore so like there's yeah. no like right. path telling you go this way it's just like 
it needs to be a little more obvious like how to right. get to where a monster is and there still are a couple of times that i've encountered where like i'll be like okay i'm where it says it is but then it's like oh no it's like underground or whatever but like right. that's much yeah. less common than it was in world uh one real quick last thing i know we've gone super long there's just so much to talk about and i know we all love this game and the series um i just know that people are going to ask us about this if we don't mention it yeah. um the multiplayer in the game right is a much, much easier experience now. It's, it's not nearly weird, as painful. But it's a lot better than World. Yeah. yeah. Um, in World, you had the SOS players, which are still here. They're not called that anymore, but I did find that there's a They're thing called, that like, is basically request, that. Right? Y- yes, exactly. And you send off like your owl uh, friend to go find it for you. But at any point in the game, you can just like hit a button and match make into other people's games. There's no more unskippable cutscenes that make it. So you, well, wait 10 minutes for this person to get through or anything like that. That's all gone. You can just join directly into lobbies on your friends and stuff like that. It's, it's much, much smoother for people who were worried about that being an issue again. Yeah. There's um, no like, um, like there is still a gathering hub, but it's, like in world you would have like these lobbies where you could have up to 16 people in them, but like you all were sort of in your own instance versions of the world. And then you would yeah. go into the gathering hub, which was the only place where you could actually like see other people in this one. Is it just that you can have up to four people in a lobby now or. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So there's no, like it's less like, you know, you have 16 people and you could just match into strangers games and stuff, but like you're in the same world. Like you, you walk around like in the same village uh it's much less confusing in that respect and i feel like getting into like it's also just faster like again way better load times like no like oh we're loading into that person's lobby now so wait on like hold on it's just like oh no they're here now and uh oh do you want to do a quest okay go do it yep it'll pop it up on the map and you just go to the quest board and hit yep I want to join that one, which is it's actually visually way closer to what it was in Monster Hunter games in the past where you have the quest board and stuff that everybody has to like uh, go walk up to and hit accept. Yeah. Um, and also uh, four player lobbies were more of a thing in those old games, too, which I think is actually a much better decision. I think it makes it much more concentrated instead of just yeah. having like here's 16 people that might be doing what you so want or not that for that to actually be useful. I feel like the only exactly. times that yeah. that really mattered were like on those, uh, those big hunts where you were just sieges. sieges. Yeah. Other than that, it just felt like this seems unnecessary. I want to yeah. call out like real quick. This is not necessarily multiplayer, but one of the things, the best streamlining aspect of this game, it's such a small thing, but it saves me so much time is having the, Submissions, the optional missions, oh, at the same place oh, where you yeah. take quests. Yes, not oh having my to God. go to like a different person to do it. Yeah, because I would just forget every time. Yeah, <laughs> and you're not missing out. Them. You're just leaving armor spheres on the table. Um, yeah, and it's almost always the the sub assignments are almost always things that you're going to be doing anyway. It's like hunt yeah. two high rank monsters. It's like, well, yeah, I'll be doing that, but if I forget to do it, fuck. Yeah. That, I think that is, like, low-key one of the best quality of life improvements in this game. Yeah, there's yeah. lots of little things like that. And we've mentioned some of them. But then, you know, there's other things, too. Like, uh, when you're gathering resources in world, you know, you go up to an, an ore thing. And you have to hit the button three times to mine. And it's like, you're never not going to do all three. Right. So in Rise, it's just, no, you hit it once and then you get all three. Because right. they're like, of course, of course, why would we make you do this? Because like, it's just, 
nothing. Um, Which is like, to me, the exact right, like any further than this. And I think it'd be too much because I still want to have that. You want to be able to do those things because those are like neat things to be doing in the middle of a hunt. But like. Right. But yeah, like you said, like, why make me do it three times when you know I'm going to do it three times every time anyway? But like having that little bit of downtime is really good. And um, to circle way back to something you mentioned at the beginning of the game of of this podcast, but like the element of the trade off between, um, well, you don't have to use paintballs or tracks or um scout flies anymore to hunt the monsters but there's all this other stuff uh, littered around the world for you to collect and get bonuses from is such a much nicer system to me because it is the one thing that i feel like a lot of games don't really find a good balance with which is that instead of making it a pain in the ass like like a like a hindrance to you to get into the fight instead they give you a bonus and make it good to have downtime in this game right. like it yeah. it f- strikes a much better balance than i think any other game basically in the world like this does, but also better than world did in terms of just like making, making you feel like you are getting one up on the game and not like you are losing out on stuff. If you're not doing something correctly, like like collecting tracks. The best example is when you die now, you don't lose your food bonuses. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. And then because in the past in world, like all that match was like, okay, well, so now I either, go hunt, go continue the hunt without a food bonus or wait until I'm able to eat again or just like restart the quest. And it's Mm -hmm. like, there was no purpose to that. It was just, it was just pointless. It just punished you by making you wait. And uh, they've just fixed so many of those little things. Yeah. I think uh, we have uh, fixed this podcast real good as well. I think we've uh, made a real good one here. So thanks, everybody, for sticking around with me on a review of Monster Hunter Rise for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I'd say we're all pretty positive on it, despite a couple of weird frustrations with the uh, state of the end game right now, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, for me, honestly, just, you know... I had sort of, I think, forgotten how good Monster Hunter can be uh, yeah. because it had been a while since I've, you know, I haven't played Iceborne for like probably like six months or something. Um, and just like, I remember like we, when we started playing uh, this online together, I was just like, oh my, oh my God, Monster Hunter, good. <laughs> like Monster Hunter is so good. <laughs> it's like, I don't know that it's going to be for everyone, but I really hope people uh, give it a try because yeah. I think, you know, like it, we're going to have guides and stuff up and like, they're going to like, I think that's going to be a big help because the game still doesn't do a great job of explaining itself to you, but there's just so much here. It's just like become one of my favorite franchises. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's just like so characterful and like compelling and just like, I just love a cooperative game and like monster hunter is maybe like my favorite at this point. I'm looking forward to, to, two windows basically the window of when my friends start playing the game and I'm like the, the 10 foot tall golden Homer (laughs) (laughs) and when actually they catch up to me and it's like, okay, now we can all play on equal levels fighting monsters that are way too hard for all of us individually, but together we can actually have stand a chance. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited for that as well. And I'm excited for them to add more stuff like, um, that, pushes me to my limit in that way. I, I think that's kind of what's missing for me right now, but I think giving uh, people enough time to catch up is also a totally great way of handling that. 
And I'm excited to see how it goes. I want to, we never fought uh, Alatreon in Monster Hunter yeah. World together. I only fought him solo. So uh, I want like, I want that experience finally. We're I want to have some something that is dragons. really. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I never yeah. got a group together for Behemoth, honestly. Like, really? Me neither. Yeah. I never got to fight Behemoth either. All right, well, maybe after this, maybe we, <laughs> maybe we all re-download Monster Hunter World on PC is all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but while we do that, you all can uh, go to uh, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever it is that you use to leave us ratings and reviews to uh, show your support for the show. You can also tell your friends about uh, our podcast here. Uh, Channel F is the name of the normal show. We do these review specials every once in a while, and we have a lot of fun in the process. And if you could share that fun with somebody in your life, that would mean a whole lot to us. If you want to find the rest of the podcast we do here at the fanbite.com network, and by the way, you can go to fanbite.com to see all of our written content as well, you can go to fanbyte.com slash podcasts to get the rest of the podcast content. It's easy as that. Uh, where can people find you, Imran? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ImranZOMG and also on fanbyte.com. And where can people find you, Merit? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Merit K. And you can follow our wonderful producer for this episode, one uh, Paul Tamayo, on uh, Twitter at Polymayo, which is, I think, P-O-L-I-M-A-Y-O. Am I remembering that perfectly? That yes, correct. perfect. Awesome. Got it in one. <laughs> uh, until next time, everybody, we're putting this review in the rear view, but we'll always be looking forward. Bye. 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 Bye.